everyone, and welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven. That is my lovely wife, as always, Liberty. We're a married couple with different interests, and we try to bring each other into our hobbies by discussing the latest news in both books and sports. Today is the sports episode, and boy, there's been some drama going on in the NHL world, and sadly it revolves around my team and a little bit around your team, but I don't think we're going to do a deep dive into yours so much yet, since the facts are kind of like non-existence, more or less, at this point. Overall, we're barely going to talk about either one of these, but I'm saving that till the end of the NHL section, just because let's get to everything else first. Fair. That is fair. I saw that you had some COVID updates coming out of the San Jose Sharks organization this past week. Yeah, they're kind of taking the baton from the Red Sox in the MLB world. They're just picking up that COVID all over the place. The San Jose Sharks actively have seven players on COVID-19 protocol. The list currently includes Eric Carlson, Jake Middleton, Radom Semek, Mark Vlasic, Andrew Cagliano, Jonathan Dolan, and Matt Nieto. They also have another player that's out, but... He's just sick with, like, a cold, so he's tested negative for COVID. That's good. Realistically, eight players out sick. I have a question about Mark. Is he related to the pickle people? No, he's not. Oh, okay. I wish he was. The irony is every time you see him on the the ice, you ask me that question. So, like, I knew it was coming. I I probably never remember because I heard it just now and I thought, oh, that's weird. Like the pickle. Yes, no, not like the pickle. That's funny, though. You're welcome. But there is another organization also struggling with COVID-19, a little less, not seven players, two players from the St. Louis Blues. Ryan O'Reilly and Brandon Saad were placed in NHL COVID protocol by the St. Louis Blues on Tuesday, October 26th. O'Reilly, who tested positive for COVID, will miss at least the next four games after experiencing symptoms. Saad, who tested positive earlier than O'Reilly did, will miss at least the next two games. So he's already been out for a little bit. I was Saad not to see him last night playing against us. Because he's been on your team, that is just a normal joke in this house. Yeah. Standard. Kind of subpar at this point. Yeah. It's kind of been beaten to death a little bit. Uh, This was kind of a weird one. There wasn't really that much detail into it, but Capitals forward TJ Oshie is being considered week-to-week with a lower body injury. He was involved in a hit, but continued to play through the game, and now he's out week-to-week, so must have gotten progressively worse, whatever it is. Possibly. But leave it to the NHL with giving you upper and lower body injuries and not really being specific about things. Also, defenseman Dean Kukin. I, I really need to like take a week's worth of time to go through your notes and then get pronunciations of all the names that you add to the list. I'm going to go with Kukin. Okay. It sounds funny. It's said to be out for eight weeks for the Columbus Blue Jackets because of a fractured wrist. He was injured in the game against Dallas on Monday, October 25th. Carter Hutton is expected to be out two to four weeks because of a lower body injury sustained in the game against the Florida Panthers on Monday, October 25th. There you are, lower body injury. Don't know what it is. But it's a thing. Yeah. Connor Timmons is expected to be out 8 to 12 weeks because of a lower body injury sustained in the game against the Florida Panthers on Monday, October 25th. Who do these guys play for? Carter Hutton is with Nashville now? Is that right? Or is he? where did he end up? He's been everywhere because for a while he was in Philadelphia. Now he's... He's playing for the Coyotes. The Coyotes. Okay. Well, that's probably why I don't remember where he is. The Coyotes. Anytime someone is not specifically stated what team they're on, 
it's probably the coyotes because you don't remember it's not in the notes. No one cares about them. The big one, though, let's be honest, is this Nikita Kucherov nonsense again. Yeah. Just writing off his cap space. I don't think it'll be for that long of a period of time like it was last year where it was like three quarters of the season. Well, right now they're saying it's going to be eight to ten weeks of him being out following surgery for a lower body injury on Tuesday, October 26th. Who knows what this was? But this is in addition to the four games that he missed since he was injured on October 16th. He's already been out a little bit. And then Drew Doughty is expected to be out eight weeks for the Los Angeles Kings because of a knee injury. He was injured during the game against the Stars on Friday, October 29th. Seems like a lot of injuries against the Stars. These guys are like just going out trying to hurt people. like Possibly. Something in the water in Dallas. Yeah. Though I'm not especially violent, so that can't be right. I wouldn't tell you if she was. <laughs> That's probably the correct answer. And Jack Hughes, or as we like to say in our house, Jack Hughes. Like you like to say in our house, <laughs> let's be honest. Jack Hughes is expected to be out at least five more weeks for the New Jersey Devils because of a dislocated left shoulder. He was placed on IR on October 23rd, but he's not required to have surgery That is the big news that came out of that this week. They've decided not to do surgery for him and just do physical therapy. Yeah, because they were on the fence about it when we talked about his injury last week, so... Yeah, I guess the imaging came back and it just makes more sense to do physical therapy. Well, I guess that's good for him in that instance. And then we had three really exciting signings this week. Are they? Well... Like, two of them, for sure. Uh, The New York Islanders re-signed forward Ross Johnston to a four-year contract with an AAV of $1.1 million, so... 4.4. Yes. Math is easy. Basic math when you don't do all these 1.1124561 millions. I think the one that bothered me was, like, what was it, 2.816 or something? I'm like, what the hell is wrong with these people? Right. We also had Zach Whitecloud, who assigned a six-year, $16.5 million contract with the Vegas Golden Knights on Thursday, October 28th. The contract has an AAV of $2.75 million. And that just continues to solidify their defense. Like, Vegas's defense is already good. It doesn't look that great this season, but they did move three new defensemen into their lineup of D pairings. So right. it's like, give them a little bit of time, they'll be fine. So as it's kind of shown over the last three games. They've won their last three, so... Well, and Vegas has always had a pretty good defensive line, which might be part of the reason you're having trouble with your goalie in Chicago, because your defense just... You need to start over, in my opinion. I don't disagree with you. I I was on the fence about the Seth Jones move, and it seems to be paying off in the negative, not in the positive, like everybody had hoped it would be, so... But I think your goaltending would be better if your defensive pairings were better. However, Fleury had like 36 saves last night and only allowed one, so it's really not too bad. And that was all it took last night? Yep. But there was one more signing this past week. Morgan Riley signed an eight-year, $60 million contract with the Toronto Maple Leafs on Friday. It has an AAV of $7.5 million. The Maple Leafs? Leafs. Or as they should be named, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then we had some fines, because who doesn't love some of those? Well, I mean, people behaving badly is kind of the theme this year for the NHL. Yeah, in more ways than one. Right. But it started off with Philadelphia Flyers forward Nicholas Abe Kubel has been fined $2,687.50 for needing Florida Panthers forward Mason Marchment during the game on Saturday, October 23rd. 
Is it not marshmallow? Sure. I think everything sounds French. I'm sorry. You just assume everybody's French Canadian, and then you just go for it. Yeah. Overconfidently sometimes. Just like Jacques Hughes, even though I know he's American. Yes. The Anaheim Ducks forward Ryan Getzlov has been fined $1,000 for a dangerous trip against Minnesota Wild forward Joel Erickson Eck during the game on Saturday, October 23rd. 1000 feels light, but it is just a trip. It's a trip as well, too. Like, he doesn't really have a track record of anything like that. Getzlaff yeah. has always been a pretty clean player. Like, he hits people big, but, like, they're usually illegal body checks. So it's right. just like, I get it. And then everyone's least favorite New Jersey devil, defenseman P.K. Subin, has been fined $5,000 for a dangerous trip against Calgary Flames forward Milan Lucic. Lucic. Words are hard. Yeah. During the game on Tuesday, October 26th. He only haunted you for like a dozen years himself in Boston. So like Milan Lucic should be a pretty easy one for you. Toss it up. Hit it out. Apart. Here's the thing. I think I'm coming down with a cold, so I can't breathe out of my nose. <laughs> so and words that doesn't are way harder. Yeah. I'm trying to become a mouth breather and get through the day. And here's everybody's favorite hockey topic of the week. And boy, it's been fun even at work. People that don't normally talk hockey to me are like, oh, you're a Blackhawks fan. Let's talk about this thing I know it's nothing about. It's real messed up to be a Blackhawks fan right now. Yeah, it's it's not a good place. And, and like I think that was the most annoying part was so many people, including like customers, were like, when we'd talk hockey, all of a sudden they'd ask who I was a fan of, and they're like, oh. I know this much about this, so let me tell you about the thing that happened. I'm like, you know this much about it. Thank and you for educating me. Here's the thing. We're going to talk about this in the like broadest of strokes. We're not going to get down into the minute of what's been going on. If you want to do that, there are people who are more well-versed and understand legalese better than we do. And in particular, you could find the Steve Dangle podcast, which is what I've been going to for my information. And and they really break it down from different perspectives as well, rather than just the, the one, one mm-hmm. right? But also, just in case someone might be like me and might need to have this content warning, here it is. The content we're discussing with the Chicago Blackhawks this week is a sexual assault allegation that came out of the camp. It was held pretty hush-hush during their 2010 campaign to yeah. win the Stanley Cup. It happened with about three weeks left in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Right. Yeah. And the report that came out recently highlighted the allegations as well as the mishandling of the whole thing by the organization. It basically started with a player talking to someone and that person running it through the, the chain of command ups. like they should have. And then it basically coming to a stop and the question becomes why did it stop there when it should have gone all the way to the top gone to punishments getting doled out and all of that and from what I've heard and the videos I've watched in the podcasts I've listened to it sounds a lot like it getting swept under the rug until you guys could win the Stanley Cup which infuriates me to no end because a Stanley Cup is not more important than someone else's mental health. And the fact of the matter is, in that time frame, before anything happened to the guy that did the thing, allegedly, another person was sexually assaulted. 
Yeah, and the worst part about it, realistically, is the fact that he went on to have a career in a university level where he continued to do these things. And he ended up getting charged for that one. Correct. It was the University of Michigan, if I remember correctly. I do believe it was someone who was a minor at the time when he assaulted them. Right. And that's why he was charged with that. He should have been charged anyway, but... Whereas when he was with the Blackhawks organization, it was Kyle Beach, who was 20 years old at the time. But what's bad about it for Kyle Beach, and we'll go into it beyond the actual sexual assault, which is horrible, is the fact that he was a first-round pick and had a career future in the NHL. And he basically was blackballed because of this incident. and It was basically retaliatory from the league versus just one person. Right. And it's just... Like, I feel so bad for him for all those reasons. Right. And more. Well, and he had spent the first 20 years of his life working to become a professional athlete, and then one person decides to do something wrong, and he gets blacklisted, can't do what he's been training for for 20 years. On top of that, you got to think the mental battles that he's been dealing with through it. Like, Robin Leonard reached out to him and was realistically probably the most sentimental outreach from the players in the NHL because, like, everybody seems to be afraid to reach out to this guy. And Robin Leonard's like, screw that. I went through mental health issues and all you guys pushed me aside. So, like, I'm reaching out to this guy. And he had, like, a a two-and-a-half-hour conversation with him on the phone. And Beach even thanked him for calling him and just, like, being there to support him. And so it's just, like, it's... It's so late, but, like, it's good that player, some players aren't afraid to say things. Right, you know? right. Well, I think there are two things at work when it comes to that. One of them being the fact that sexual assaults in men are underreported because they feel more shame, I feel, or there's less of a place for victims to go, really, as a man versus a woman because a lot of guys will laugh it off because it's like, what do you mean? right. They sexually assaulted you, blah, 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 blah. You're a man. You should be able to deal with it. To defend yourself or whatever, right? And so that's part of it. I think the other part of it stems from just the, I don't want to say like toxic environment of the NHL, but it is a less safe space when when it comes to going against what's already put in place. And, like, him stepping out and talking about his mental health and talking about the sexual assault allegations is pretty much taboo. Particularly in 2010. Like, it's it's gotten slightly better, but clearly it's not perfect because we're hearing about all these things coming out now from, forget it, like, not just the NHL, the NFL, the NBA, like... Right, right. These situations are happening everywhere, and and it's just, like, it's good that it's being brought to the, li- the light, but it's just bad that it was pushed into the darkness for so long. I mean, this happened 11 years ago. Right. I think, honestly, one of the worst statements, and and you know I love Joe Quimble. I've always been a supporter of him. I think he's a great coach. But the fact that he ignored it and then made a statement like he still needed time to reflect on it, it's like, dude, you've known for 11 years. What time do you need? Right, right. Like, You've, you've chosen to ignore it for 11 years. You don't need time to reflect. You need time to fix your brain because that was a stupid, jacked-up thing to do. Quinville's statement, along with the statement made by, I think it was Stan Bowman, both were BS. Like, this is what a PR team wants you to say. This is not the correct statement to make at this point in time. Right. And so it felt completely disingenuous. Yeah. And it was a hot mess. 
Like, if, if Quinville would have come out and been like, yeah, I knew about it, like, it wouldn't have made him look any better, but it wouldn't have made him look like the piece of trash that he looked like. In this day and age, you have to do something that a PR team would never tell you to do, and that is own your effing mistakes. Yeah. It happened 11 years ago. You can admit a mistake that's over a decade old. You really, really can. I promise. And the reality is it probably, I don't think it would have destroyed his career as bad. I think he would have had an opportunity to go through a program and prove that he knows better now and maybe right. had a chance. Because I feel like nowadays people are more willing to accept the fact that you made a mistake as long as you can improve yourself and be better in the future. Right. Whereas this statement is like, he'd do it again, in my mind. He would do the exact same thing again based on his statement. Well, he wasn't banned from the NHL. The NHL basically came out and stated that if he would go through one of our programs for yeah. this issue, that they would give him a chance at possibly coming back. Now, like, it's a big gray area. Joel Quinville is still the winningest coach in NHL history, and... Probably will hold that title for a long time to come. His record starting the season with the Panthers was really good this year. There's no denying he's a good coach. He is bad on a personal level, or at least he was in 2010. Yeah. Nothing I've seen speaks to after that, but who knows? He's got a clean record for the most part, shy of this incident. And so, like, it's like, dude, you, you screwed up. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts, and I will never disagree with him being let go or resigning. I'm glad that decision was forced in his hands. You know, it was either, hey, you resign or we're going to let you go is basically what I'm hearing from the Batman camp side of things. That whole thing bothers me because he's being allowed to step down versus being fired because it's become a, the PR around me is so bad right now, I need to step down. Maybe I'll come back in the future versus here's your punishment for being a piece of crap. Which I feel like should happen. I don't think these people should just be allowed to step down. I think they should be fired. The reality is in a lot of instances, whether it be political or personal, like fame situations, they're always able to just step down and step away. That's always been the standard. So like you can't give Quimville crap for that. I'm, I'm not saying that this particular case is a problem and that shouldn't be allowed. I'm saying if you mess up, you should be fired. Right. I don't feel like that that should just be the standard. Like I'm, I'm talking about the standard, not Quinville specifically. Okay. But that was still broad broad strokes. I'm going to go over a couple points about what's happened over the past week or so. The NHL said this week that Chicago mishandled conduct related to allegations of sexual assault by former assistant coach Brad Aldrich in 2010. The Blackhawks have been fined a ridiculously small $2 million fine for what Commissioner Gary Bettman has said were, quote, inadequate internal procedures and insufficient and untimely response in the handling of matters related to the incident. I say that the fine is a small $2 million fine for an organization like the Chicago Blackhawks. That is not a lot of money. It's not. It's a, it's definitely a drop in the hat. The money is going directly to the NHLPA for situations like this again. So for like mental health and right. incidents of sexual assault, Resources for players. Yeah. Right. It's not like the NHL is pocketing this money because, thank God, because right. they're they're part of the problem. Talk about inappropriate. Yeah. yeah. No. It's just, I feel like another team has gotten a bigger fine recently, and I can't speak to what the fine was for, but it wasn't this. It was something smaller than this, and they got a bigger fine. I want to say it was like $3 million to New Jersey or something. 
I don't know to speak specifics about that. I know that recently in the sports world, you had the Washington football team get that fat fine. You had the Raiders take a big fine. Those were the two two biggest ones that I know of anyways. Okay, so it happened in 2010. It wasn't recently. The Devils were fined $3 million by the NHL and lost two draft picks over the Kovalchuk deal, which was, I guess, done incorrectly. And then Kovalchuk became kind of a complete piece of trash human being by beating his wife and those things didn't get punished to the organization either, but yeah. I guess that's not internal per se. So, But basically the New Jersey Devils fine that I'm referencing was from 2010 and it was because they were trying to do a 17-year deal worth $102 million that somehow circumvented the salary cap, which kind of goes against the whole point of having a salary cap. So if a bad deal can get a $3 million fine, this is an insult. I don't disagree. Stan Bowman is out as president of hockey operations and GM following an independent investigation, which is that report, the 107-page report that came out. Yeah, he stepped down before the report even came out. But go figure, when you're running the internal investigation, you might get a little bit of a heads up as to what's about to fall on your head. Right. And so, like, a lot of people were commenting about how the deep, dark details weren't released. And it's like, well, what did you expect? The Blackhawks were the ones doing, they they paid the group to do the investigation. Right. Albeit, they had access to everything. Mm -hmm. So, internal emails, phone calls, text messages, they had it all. So, that's why these details are so strongly against people. And, like, you, you can't claim you didn't know when it's, like, black and white here on an email or black and white here in a text message. Right. And that was the thing that was most shocking for a lot of people was coming out of this. You saw that, like, the statements that were made, the allegations that were made were proven true. 100%. And it's kind of always a surprise whenever it comes out that, like, everything they said was true. Right. Yeah, basically there were two pieces left, well, one piece left within the organization, and that would have been Stan Bowman that was still around from when this happened. Right, right. McDonough stepped down two years ago, and then you had, as well, Aldrich was fired literally a month after this you happened. You won the cup. Right. Mm-hmm. So the organization handled it, but they swept it under the rug, and that's the serious part of the problem. Like, A... The- The biggest part of this that is a problem isn't that, oh, we fired people quietly and all this. It's you waited three weeks to do jack crap because you were so worried about getting an effing Stanley Cup that you're like, that's more important than this person getting justice or anything that needed to be done to deal with this problem. And like you said before, and the same kind of thing with the Steve Dangle podcast that you and I have been watching. The people in the upper offices could have handled this while the team still focused on winning the Stanley Cup. Right. They could have pulled Aldrich in and been like, listen, dude, you're out. Or they could have said, we need an investigation into these allegations, so you're just going to spend some time away from us. And you're not fired. It's just going to pend further review. Yeah, like an unpaid administrative leave or a paid admin. You could even have done a paid administrative leave, and that would have been acceptable. Yeah. So it's just like... Instead, you let him still be around the players doing his effing job, which that must have felt great for the person who just told people what had happened. Yeah. But like we had mentioned, Joel Quinville, who was the head coach for the Blackhawks during the time of the alleged assault, has been allowed to resign his duties as head coach of the Florida Panthers following a meeting with Commissioner Bettman. And I think it was like you said, either you step down or we're going to fire you. So Yeah. 
And the NHL came out on Friday, October 29th with a statement regarding Winnipeg Jets GM Kevin Cheveldayoff. The NHL has concluded that he was not responsible for the improper decisions made by the Chicago Blackhawks related to the Brad Aldridge matter in 2010. The argument has been made that not everyone should be painted with the same broad brush when it comes to handling of this matter and that everyone should be looked at individually for their part. At the time, Shovel Dayoff was not a member of the Blackhawks' senior leadership team, and so Commissioner Bettman felt that he couldn't assign responsibility to him for the club's actions or inactions, which sounds like BS to me, but... To clarify, his name came up in the emails, but he wasn't directly linked in them is what the report came out to say. However, so. it was also stated that he was in the meeting that had happened prior to getting this swept under the rug Correct. for three weeks. Right. So... Still part of the problem. I, I think he's still part of the problem, whether or not he was in a position to actually sweep it under the rug or he just went along with people sweeping it under the rug. I still think he was part of the problem. The fact that he was in the room and nothing got done, he didn't speak out against it, is still just part of the problem. I've heard other people say, like, I'm not going to hear something like that and then not bring it up to anyone for weeks. Right. Like, oh, hey, did you do anything about this sexual assault allegation? No? Okay, moving on. Like, no. So, like, the conversation came up partially with my GM at work, and and he goes, if you're ever in a situation, and he goes, I've never been in one, but he goes, if you're ever in the situation where you're like, maybe we should talk to HR about this, and you decide not to, you're in the wrong. You're already in the wrong, 100%, because the fact that the thought made your brain go there, you should probably have done it. Yeah. And that's the situation at hand. It's like, this is a very dumb reference, but like, it's like anytime I'm thinking to myself, should I take a Tylenol for this? Should I take medication for this? The answer is probably yes. If you think you should go to HR, you should probably go to HR. Preemptively do it. Yes. And we're in the day and age where you can't go, well, I wasn't sure. If you're not sure, go to HR. Right. That's just how it is. The fact that your brain made you feel unsure is enough for you to just go and talk to them because they're the experts on the subject. They can tell you whether it is a yes or a no situation. And at that point, you've done what you can. You've taken it where it needs to go, and it's out of your hands as far as should I or should I not. Should you follow up after that? Of course, because technically you've already asked the question. Right. And the reality is it just never got there. Like their HR person didn't know anything about this. And that's insane. Like that's truly, truly insane. And that's why it's a mess. (laughs) Like in every direction you look. And the last thing of note in regard to the Blackhawk situation, because we've been talking about it for a while, is that the Hockey Hall of Fame is moving forward with a request from the Chicago Blackhawks to have Brad Aldrich's name removed from the Stanley Cup. As far as how that happens, it seems like no one knows, but I would, I, you, you can buff it out, right? No, I would imagine they just remove Replace that, that plate ring. and they just, well, not even the whole ring, it's just an individual plate that is attached. So you just remove the plate, take off, like one. do a new one without Aldrich on it, and then attach the plate. Yeah. So I don't see it being that complicated of a thing, and I'm sure... It's multiple plates, though, isn't it, for oh. him? He's... He's no, he's only been part of the organization in 2010. He was let go immediately, so he wasn't part of the 13 or the 15 Stanley Cup. Did he win a Stanley Cup with anyone else after that? No, he okay. was termed from the NHL at that point in time. That's why he went to Michigan after that. Okay. Obviously, but like, Quinville won't be removed. Stan Bowman won't be removed, which... That's debatable. Yeah. Whether that should happen or not. Right. But one of the last things I want to say 
about this whole thing is just, I find this stuff really hard to talk about. And I feel really bad for anyone who might be listening who was that way for them as well. Jesus, absolutely. And I feel really bad for the people who had this happen over a decade ago and are having to rehash everything a thousand times for interviews, for investigations, for people who want to talk about it on their podcast or for news segments. Um, And I just want to say that sports in general need to do a better job at handling this stuff. And it needs to do a better job making sure it's known that this is unacceptable. As we've seen from the Washington football team, as we're seeing with Blackhawks, and now there's a tiny thing starting to come out from the Penguins that we're going to have to get into later. Um, It just is doing a really crappy job at handling sexual assault, sexual assault allegations. And this needs to be a climate where there's a zero tolerance policy and you even get a whiff of it and you're on administrative leave. And so I, I'm just like having a real hard time being an NHL fan right now in general. Um, I know that things have changed over the past decade and that the NHL as a whole is aiming to be more inclusive for all sorts of sex, race, gender identities, and that sort of thing, which is great. But you're kind of dropping the ball on an important subject here. But when it comes to sexual assault, you're below the bare minimum at this point. Lies are all sports at the moment. Yeah, but I'm not a fan of most sports. And so it doesn't, like, grate on me the way the NHL handling it does. Because, like, I've liked hockey since 2007. And so, like, my spirit is just kind of like, I can't get into the season. I can't watch games and feel comfortable. And, like, maybe that's got something to do with my own personal stuff. But it's just hard to watch a sport where they are handling this one thing so badly. And, and the reality of it is, I, I think changes will come out of this, but the most important one, truthfully, is individual organizations shouldn't be able to do their own investigation. Yeah. Like, there should be a legal group that the NHL has hired to be a third party. The NHL doesn't put their hands in it. They do their own investigation, and then they make the decisions as to whether or not it's handled appropriately, who mishandled it accordingly, and those people should be punished by this third party. It shouldn't be the NHL's decision. Well, and part of my problem with this happening is that it's happening so late and there is a statute of limitations legally and that nothing can be done to this guy legally. And like, he's already been punished one time, but like that, that didn't stop him from eventually assaulting someone else because he didn't stop when he got prosecuted. Right. So the the big issue on it is is the reality is the Blackhawks organization should have brought it to the Chicago police, let the Chicago police do their job, investigate it at that point in time, and then bring charges forth. They should have put him on administrative leave, whether it be paid or unpaid. Hopefully, unpaid for a situation like this. Right. And and so like it just it, it's it's a really big poop mark on the NHL basically for the season and. You, you I mean, can't clean up a turd. Decade. Right. You, yeah. you, 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 a shiny turd is still a turd, and it's a turd. Yeah. We'll call it what it is. But in the coming weeks, I'm sure we're going to find out more about what happened with the Wilkes Bear Scranton penguins. penguins. Right. And I'm sure we're going to have to talk about it. And at this point, I'm just kind of at my limit. So if you want to know more, there are a lot of different podcasts and 
people commenting on what's going on. You basically can't turn on anything with NHL-related news and not hear about it this week. So. I'm sure the NHL Network has coverage. We don't have that channel anymore, so I don't know. But I'm sure... ESPN has been diving headfirst into it as well, so it's just like you can really take your pick where you want to go. And you can probably have less emotional commentary. Yes, so. right. On that very somber note, we'll move forward to a different sport. Yes. Talk about COVID in the NFL. The Packers defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, has tested positive for COVID. He is said to help the team prepare for their games virtually while he is in isolation. Didn't stop with the Green Bay Packers. They're kind of like the Boston Red Sox of the NFL right now. Uh, Or should we say the San Jose Sharks? Yeah. The Green Bay Packers have also placed wide receiver Devontae Adams on the COVID list as well. They ended up having, I believe, four players on the COVID protocol list leading into the Thursday night football game against the Cardinals. Your team is also having COVID problems because the Bears head coach Matt Nagy announced this week that he has also tested positive for COVID. Special teams coordinator Chris Tabor will stand in for him while Nagy is absent. With four players on the COVID list and the head coach positive for COVID, the Bears are now in enhanced mitigation protocols, which means mandatory mask wearing around the team facility and daily testing for all players and staff regardless of vaccination status. I just feel like everyone should be doing that, but what do I know? Yes, in the Chicago sports world, it seems like a lot of the fans are like, great, we'll probably win a game because Nagy won't be at the helm for the first time in forever. So maybe we'll get to win today without Nagy, and that'll be so nice. Technically, you have a better record than the team you're playing today. Because we've played one more game than the other team. Correct. Yes. So it should be evenly matched. Yes. And the last team having fun with COVID this week is the Detroit Lions whose special teams coordinator, Dave Phipp, has tested positive for COVID. He is fully vaccinated, and he is asymptomatic. He says that he wishes he could be with the team, and the team says, no, just stay at home. Please. We already have enough problems. We're in Detroit. We're the Lions, after all. Great mascot, horrible city. Yeah. In other news in the player health world, Packers tight end Robert Tanyan suffered a torn ACL and will be out for the remainder of the season. The torn ACLs continue. Well, and we are a decent number of games into the season, so I'm not surprised. Right. Jets quarterback Zach Wilson suffered a knee injury in the second quarter of New York's loss to the Patriots and did not return to the game. He underwent an MRI on Monday, which confirmed a minor PCL sprain. So he's only going to be set to miss two weeks. That's not so bad. It could be worse. Better than tearing it, for sure. (laughs) Without a doubt. Yeah. Arizona Cardinals defensive end J.J. Watt is set to undergo potentially, potentially season-ending shoulder surgery. The surgery is likely to require at least three months of recovery. The injury was sustained during the Week 7 game against his former team. I don't know what his former team is. That's just what the thing said. Houston Texans. That's what I thought. I should have just said it. But... The injuries were not limited to his shoulder in all. Watt suffered a torn labrum, bicep, rotator cuff, and separated shoulder. No biggie. He will undergo surgery in the middle of next week. There is a very slim chance that he could return for a Cardinals postseason run, but several times it was mentioned that this is a long shot at this point. Yes. It's kind of the news that I've heard about it as well, so I'm not shocked. Like a long, long shot. Right. A super long shot. An extremely long, long shot. 
I think our listeners get the point, and if they haven't, then they need to just pay attention to you saying it over and over and over again. Maybe rewind it a couple times. I'll put it in the notes, you guys. Yeah, yeah. And the Philadelphia Eagles have placed running back Miles Sanders on IR after suffering an ankle injury in week seven. They're saying he is set to be out for a minimum of three games. So three weeks, I'm assuming. Might be four weeks. Bye week sort of thing. It's bye week time, so that's not shocking if that would be the case. Three to four weeks. <laughs> the Saints have reacquired Mark Ingram from the Houston Texans. The Texans received a 2024 seventh round pick. The Saints also signed him one additional season for $2.8 million. Is that a good amount? Not really compared to what he's brought before, but it's, it's okay for him. Okay. Yeah. The Jets have acquired quarterback Joe Flacco, which doesn't feel like a real last name. I feel like I'm being punked. In a trade with the Philadelphia Eagles in exchange for a 2022 six-round draft pick. His name is Joe Flacco, and he did used to be the starting quarterback for the Ravens for a lot of years. So it's kind of like a homecoming for him, more or less, especially with Lamar Jackson being injured. So, In other news, I wanted to say this one because I wrote something funny, and if you don't laugh, I'll be very sad, even though you read it already. I laughed last night to the point where you came and asked me what I was laughing about, and then I told you. So... Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady has become the first player to throw for 600 touchdowns. And it's no surprise given the fact that Tom Brady has been in the NFL for 500 years. Yes. Just saying, he's been there a while. It would be weird if someone else had more touchdowns. He now owns all quarterback-related statistics. All of them? Except for, like, most interceptions, yes. So he's got all the good ones. Correct. And none of the bad ones. Touchdowns, yards, wins, all those fun things. See, there are so many statistics in sports that I feel like it's not hard to get a lot of them. Like, the most touchdowns thrown on a Thanksgiving or whatever. Like, it's dumb. I don't think that's a thing you get in the Hall of Fame for, just to clarify. I'm just saying, sometimes when you read the statistics at the bottom, because I do that because I'm bored during games. Yeah. It's really stupid. Like, this is the first time in so many years that this team playing this team on this day does this. So I know someone via my dad that actually did that for the Chargers for a lot of years. He was a statistic guy. Okay. And even he admits, he goes, half the things I hand the people on the microphone are just like, they're real, but they're just so dumb. It doesn't make any sense as to why they're even reading it out. And I'm like, cool. It's not real news, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But speaking of Thanksgiving names, they have now announced the teams, the locations, the networks, and the times for the Thanksgiving games this year. You always have the Bears and Lions. That's just a staple for Thanksgiving Day. So That's going to be on Fox Yep. at 12.30 Eastern time. So probably around when we'll be having lunch, you'll be trying to watch the game. Please don't. That's really rude. And then as always, the Cowboys are partaking in a game, and this time it'll be against the Las Vegas Raiders. That one will be on CBS at 4.30 Eastern. And then there's always a third game that's never really, like, any particular team necessarily, but it's the Saints and the Bills this year. At the Saints. Correct. And that one will be on NBC at 8.20 Eastern. So as long as you have those three channels, you can ignore your family from noon all the way till the end of the day. Perfect. That's the plan. Please don't. (laughs) Okay. My family would get so mad. In the world of baseball, I didn't find much, but it seemed like you found some stuff that I didn't have. Because we are coming up to the end of the postseason for the MLB. Yeah, it could be decided tonight, the end, end. So just mentioning real quickly, because 
we are saying that it could end tomorrow, or not tomorrow, tonight. To- today, the day we're you recording. You literally just said it. Yeah, it's okay. Whew. It could end tomorrow, too, technically, but... It know. really just depends on how tonight goes. It's correct. I understand sports. Totally. So, currently, Atlanta is leading Houston 3-1. to one. I'm very excited about this, because the Cheats should not win. Yes. But they would have to win out in order to win. Correct. Albeit... The Cheats only have four players from that original organization still left, but... What did I tell you last week? Still cheaters. No, you can teach other people the cheating code. Yes, teach them the cheat code. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, A, B. That's why I said cheating code. Yes. You giant dork. But they are playing tonight. If Atlanta wins, they win the whole thing. If not, they have more games in the future. It'll be the first time the Braves win the World Series since 1999, just to kind of date it a little bit, so it's been a little while. Yeah. As far as player health goes, I only have one thing this week. Tommy LaStella of the Giants visited with a foot and ankle specialist in Wisconsin on October 25th. He is now set to undergo off-season surgery with a return date in late February slash early March which means he'd make it in time for spring training, basically, is what the article was saying. Yeah, I'd catch the tail end of it in the starting of the regular season, so it's not really that bad of a place to fall if you have to. Yeah. It must be pretty bad, though, if he went to a specialist in Wisconsin. Why else would you go to Wisconsin? Cheese curds. They have those other places. Not the same. Mm. You know how I have the theory of tacos so far north? Cheese curds so far south just aren't (laughs) the same. It's the opposite. We need a food map up in here. Yes. But going into signings, which there's obviously not going to be a lot of because we're just at the start of the offseason for most teams. They're not ready yet. Right. The Miami Marlins signed shortstop Miguel Rojas to a two-year contract extension worth $10 million. That has an AAV of $5 million. Well, they don't go by AAV in the MLB, but thank you. Oh, that's weird. I didn't know that. Yeah, they just... I learn something new every time we talk. (laughs) Okay. They probably get paid that way, but, like, it's not a discussion point. No, at the end of the two years, then you get your $10 million. Could you imagine? They wouldn't allow that? Come on. Yeah. And then one close to home for me, the San Diego Padres announced that they have hired Bob Melvin as their 22nd manager. He was signed to a three-year contract and most recently was uh, the head coach of the Oakland Athletics. Is 22 a lot to have? Not really, but the Padres are a pretty young organization in the MLB so, yes. by standard. So, yeah, it's up there. There are teams, though, that have hired into, like, the 40 and 50 range of managers. But those teams are, like, not quite original six, but, like, real close type style. So, like, they've been around for a long, long, long time. So when it comes to, like, percentages, 22 is a lot for this team. Yes. Okay. Based on the years that they've existed. And in other news, Nelson Cruz has won the 2021 Roberto Clemente Award. We actually Are you sure it's not Robert? I am sure it's not Robert. <laughs> we were literally at the statue in Pittsburgh just, what, two weeks ago, roughly, at that point in time? Right. But this award is given to the player that best represents the game of baseball through extraordinary character, community involvement, philanthropy, and positive contributions both on and off the field. He was originally nominated by the Twins before they traded him this year for the award, so he won it representing Minnesota, even though he plays for Tampa Bay now. So it's kind of a weird situation. It's the first time that's ever happened for the Roberto Clemente Award, which is kind of weird because you think players that are, like, important would... Not get shifted around? Right, so much, but... 
But yeah, he's always been big in charity in Minneapolis. I know that because I have lots of connections thanks to my business who has their headquarters in Minnesota. Right. Um, they are always talking about how good of a person he is for the community. So, and I think he's been involved for a couple of our like charity events too. So that's kinda, neat. Kind of neat. Going in the opposite direction of moral character, a Minnesota man has been charged this week with illegally streaming MLB, NFL, NHL, and NBA games for profit. Authorities have said that the man also tried to extort $150,000 from the MLB after hacking into its computer system. Basically, he was like, I hacked into your crap and I'm going to tell other people how to do it if you don't give me this money. It's kind of crazy because a lot of times that kind of stuff is paid for. Right. They'll pay that off instead of going to the FBI and be like, we know where he is. Well, I feel like he was already being brought up on charges when that happened. So they were just like, can you add this? Just tack this one on for us. The U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York and the FBI have charged Joshua Strait, Strait maybe? It's got an E in it. (laughs) With illegally streaming content from most of the major sports leagues in America. I'm going to start going by names that have E's in it with an E in it. Between 2017 and 2021, he operated a website where he illegally streamed live games for profit. He would gain unauthorized access to the league's websites and misappropriate login credentials from legitimate subscribers. His scheme led to losses of about $3 million for one of the leagues, is what the article said, but the way it was worded sounded like it could have been... $3 $3 million from all of them combined, or $3 million just from one of the four or five leagues. So I'm not sure exactly how much money they lost throughout this whole thing. I would imagine it's probably a pretty good chunk. I'm wondering what website he used, like what his domain name was. But I mentioned that in the MLB because they were the ones that he tried to extort yeah. for more money. Makes a lot of sense. I'm sure he was just sitting in his back cave going, you know, this usually works. Why isn't it working? No! And thankfully that's all the news from the MLB. Short and sweet and to the point because the playoffs are almost done. Yes. But moving on to the NBA. I put this in COVID because it's about COVID, but like it's not really a COVID thing. So real quick. The Barclays Center briefly closed down prior to the Nets' home opener as demonstrators were protesting New York's vaccine mandate, and they gathered outside. But at one point, they ended up breaching the barriers to the front entrance and, like, making it in, and they had to be pushed back. Yeah. The demonstrators were hoping to show their support for Nets guard Kyrie Irving. and Nailed it. To protest the mandate, like I said before. Yeah, so Kyrie is still not showing up to practices or games because legally in the state of New York, he cannot go into a facility-based sports. It's a little more nuanced than that as well because he has refused to get the vaccine, so he can't play at home games or practice with the team in the state. Yeah. But technically, he could go on the road and do road games and road practices in states that don't have the same mandates as New York. And the team went, that's not happening. Yeah. Smart move, in my opinion. I don't know what that means for him in the future, moving forward. I was going to say the owner actually literally came out and agreed with the state of New York's stance on it. So it's like, my dude, the guy that's cutting your check doesn't like you. So maybe just look into changing and just getting a vaccine. Like, just get the Johnson Johnson, one and done. You know, like something. You might have one day where you don't feel 100% and then you get to go and make money. 
millions and millions of dollars. I feel like you want to do that. Yeah. As far as injuries go, I only have the one, but it seems like you have more information than me as far as what happened. I think I just read an updated article. Oh, okay. So, like, nothing too crazy. This one does affect my team, the Chicago Bulls, which is kind of a bummer because this player has been a pretty good key part of why we've won five of our first six games. At least someone in Chicago knows how to win games. Yeah, the Chicago Sky and the Chicago Bulls. It's a basketball year, it seems. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, But Patrick Williams exited the Bulls-Knicks game with a left wrist injury. He did play about 16 minutes of the game after experiencing that injury, but uh, that did force him to exit the game for good. So go figure. After imaging was done this week, Patrick Williams will end up missing the remainder of the season due to a left wrist dislocation. He will have surgery this upcoming week to repair the injury. Okay. Um, I'm a little confused on what's dislocated because of the way wrists work, but something dislocated and it has to be repaired surgically? Yes, it's what they consider a pyrolunate dislocation. Probably said that wrong, but basically portions of the wrist are not connecting to the main bones in the arm. So, like, fun times. Here's the spelling. A lunate dislocation. Yes, it's a perilunate dislocation though so multiple locations either way though he'll be having surgery to repair that this week fingers crossed for a speedy recovery basically he has multiple wrist bones out of alignment so it has to be taken care of surgically not necessarily because it's out of location but because how the dislocation happens because it is like a high energy injury to have so it causes a lot of damage and that's what why it has to be taken care of surgically based on the five minutes of Googling I did. So, Perfect. There we are. In other news, since there were really no trades or signings going on because we're at the very front end of the season, right? Uh, Lakers star Carmelo Anthony passed Moses Malone this week to move him into sole possession of ninth place on the career points list. He currently has 27,464 points. That was as of last night, so maybe it will change today or by the time we... Broadcast. Um, The next player to pass for him is Shaquille O'Neal with 28,596. So he's got a little over 1,100 points that he's going to have to gain to try to catch that. So Hasn't Carmelo Anthony been in the sport like a ridiculously long amount of time? The same amount of time as LeBron James, 18 years. Roughly this past week, actually, to be precise. In sports, that's a really long time. He's really old for sports. Yeah. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. Uh, also this week, LaMarcus Aldridge reached his 20,000th 20, career point against the Indiana Pacers. He's the 48th player in NBA history to reach that number, so still one of the first 50. It's pretty impressive. Is he also really old? He's been in the league for a long time. I don't know if it's quite 18 years, but I would bet it's close. And then in not-so-good points news, Cade Cunningham of Oklahoma State Uh, Got his first career start after being drafted number one in the last NBA draft by the Detroit Pistons. He shot one for eight in his opening game, scoring two points. This is the second worst performance by a number one pick in the modern draft era for his first game. He came from Oklahoma State. No one's surprised. He was the number one pick because of how well he played at Oklahoma State. That was a joke. Yeah. Hopefully he... uh... Has a better game, too. Gets used to playing in the big leagues. Yeah, well, he's still playing for Detroit. I feel like it's just kind of a curse to be there in the first the place. The slightly bigger leagues. 
I'm sure he'll start to perform. It's just like it's his first game ever, and it will take a little bit of time, I would imagine. But Brooklyn Nets star Kevin Durant was fined $25,000 for throwing the game ball into the stands after he disagreed with a travel call that the referee made. I, I was about to say, didn't this happen last week, but there's a different player in a different game for a different reason? Yes. Did he not see the other person get in trouble? I guess not. That's like when your kid's on the playground and you see one kid acting out, and then you do the exact same thing and also get in trouble. The, the irony of it was, like, people were making dodgeball jokes, and, like, there were memes of him, like, throwing the basketball, and then they were, like, putting in the movie screenshot of the dodgeball person, like, getting hit in the face. Like, yep. all sorts of fun things to come out of this one, so. I'm sorry. This literally just happened last week. Like, shouldn't you know better? Yeah. Like, you do, but still. Right. If men were just less emotional, stuff like this wouldn't happen. I'll let that one ride. <laughs> and the last thing for the NBA is that the Atlanta Hawks guard Trey Young has been fined $15,000 for making contact with a game official. The incident occurred in the second quarter of the game against the Washington Wizards on Thursday, October 28th. I'm assuming he didn't, like, punch him because I feel like that would be way worse. He put the grabby hands on him or gave him, like, a nudge or something like that? Possibly. And then we have more people not handling things appropriately. So I am going to run through this the fastest that I can. And we're talking about the MLS. MLS said on Friday that it is hiring independent counsel to oversee an investigation into the Vancouver Whitecaps handling of misconduct allegations against former women's coach Hubert Busby. In a statement, MLS said the investigation will include a review of the club's internal processes and overall culture at the time, as well as recommendations on preventative measures in order to ensure that all players and staff under the Whitecaps organization umbrella work in a safe environment, free of all forms of harassment and fear of retaliation. U.S. player Mallory Enoch detailed allegations of inappropriate behavior by Busby between 2010 and 2011 in an interview with the British newspaper The Guardian. No, it has not lost on me what year this happened. I was going to say 2010, not a good year for sexual misconducts. Or investigations about them, yes. Right. Enoch said Busby promised to sign her as a player, then repeatedly made her room with him on trips and eventually attempted to pressure her for sex. Enoch said she shared her concerns with Dan Linderduzzi, the team's soccer development director, after signing in 2011, but no action was immediately taken. It eventually led to a group of players bringing their concerns about Busby to management. An investigation did lead to Busby's departure from the team after the 2011 season had ended, but here we are yet again happening during the season or during the postseason, and nothing happens till everything's over. Sports need to do better. Partic End of sentence. Particularly as a male coach with women athletes, it's like, dude. Right. Like, of all the people that should know better, it's you, man. Like, it is you. It's disgusting. As somebody who's managed women, I just, I don't understand. It's, it's no different. Just treat them with the same respect you do as men. Like, there's literally no, there should be no difference. Right. And it's like, I, I, I just don't get how, how you could just, Put your blinders up and hope something like that happens. Like, oh my god, that's just horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Like, if any of my female employees ever, even like inkling, have said something to me about some other manager treating them that way, 
I would cut that dude's head off and freaking send him right to HR. Like, it's ridiculous. I feel like you'd need to send him to a morgue and not HR, but I know what you're trying to say. Yeah. Like, it, it's just, ugh, it irks it, me. Well, it should. A lot. You're, you're not a man who would do this, so it should. Yeah. All I will say, because I'm tired of talking about this, <laughs> sports need to do better and be held to a higher effing standard. And that's it. Well, the reality is, is how much money is coming into these organizations. You can't even claim that you don't have the money to make programs exist to protect players. Like, that's, there's no excuse. That's not it. Like, that's part of the problem, though. Money is not the problem, and that will never be the issue. The issue is people's mindsets and how they feel about the sport being more important than the people who are performing the sport. Which is wrong in every level. Yes. But in better, brighter news, we're on to the Bundesliga, which I know you'll enjoy this segment because it involves Bayern Munich losing and Dortmund winning, so... I don't like when your team loses unless they lose to us. Well, I, I literally was going to put in the notes, I know you would have preferred it be Dortmund that eliminated Bayern Munich, but next best thing. Um, but Bayern Munich was eliminated this week 5-0 by Borussia Mönchengladbach. Boy, spelling that after knowing Mönchengladbach. how to say it. Yeah, it's... It's a mess. Mönchengladbach. Yes. This is the largest defeat for Bayern Munich in DFB Pokal history. Yeah. So it was rough, to say the least. Eh, it needed to happen every once in a while. Those Bayern Munich fans can be real pains in the butt. <laughs> but to continue down the that series of that, I guess, they weren't the only big-name team that was eliminated. Bayer Leverkusen also was eliminated from the DFB Pokal this week 2-1 to one, by Bundesliga 2. Carl's Ruher SC, a second league team, eliminated them. They must have wanted it more. Yeah, so that's two of the top five teams were eliminated from the DFB Pokal so early on. Yeah. So it definitely gives you a little push for Dortmund to have a good chance there. Um, but speaking on Dortmund's subject, Borussia Dortmund moved into the next round by defeating Ingolstadt 2-0, to even without Erling Holland in the roster. Thorgan Hazard scored both goals. It was we like a, Hazard. It was a really good game for Hazard. Like he he had about two other scoring opportunities that he didn't capitalize on, but still, like two the, two of four is pretty darn good. The HA player stepped in for the other AJ player. Yeah. What's weird about it is you started your third striker because your second striker on your roster is also injured. Yeah. So it's gonna be a weird year for y'all. Um, but you definitely have enough talent to I don't win. know that Holland's gonna be out that long though. I've heard otherwise. But Have you? Yes. I don't know. But I don't follow it as well as I follow hockey. Maybe I should. Yeah. Yes. Well, considering your team has a chance to win the national championship, there's, you know, a good chance of that. The drawings for the next round get drawn today. Um, so probably within, I think, like the next hour based on German time. So pretty soon uh, we'll find out who you guys play next. Fun. Yep. We'll do a quick wrap-up in the world of sports. We... Finished our Euros, that was while we were in Pittsburgh, so the Euro qualifiers and the World Cup qualifiers are all pretty much wrapped up until later in the month. Uh-huh. You mean November, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Later in November, I should say, which would be the month that this will air. <laughs> I'm at October 31st right now. Yeah. I'm like, it doesn't get later in the month than this. <laughs> it's true. But when it comes to the top five right now in the Bundesliga, you have Bayern Munich in first place, Dortmund in second place, Freiburg in third. Leverkusen in fourth, and Mons in fifth. It's pretty close towards the top of the pack, 25 to 16 points in the top five, so not too crazy. I have a weird question for you. Yeah. 
Do you think whenever they lose a game, they go, ah, Mons? Ah, Mons. Oh, Mons. We lost. Yeah, no. I don't think so. They've won their last two games. They lost the three before that. So, you know, they did say it for a little while, I guess. In the Premier League, uh, shaking things up continually, Chelsea continues to extend their lead on the rest of the table. They are currently in the lead with 25 points, with Liverpool with 22, Manchester City in third with 20, West Ham United in fourth with 17, and a goal differential of positive six, Manchester United in fifth with 17 points and a goal differential of four. You all have been on a rough road the last five games. You've won one, lost three and drawn one. So Manchester United needs to kind of settle down and get their wits about them because just a month ago, you guys were in first place. Yeah. So, but I can't say much about Newcastle United because we're still in 19th place. Is that a relegation position? Uh, It's one of three. Yeah. Yeah. So the answer was yes. Yes. And we're three points behind even the last relegation spot being the 18th. So. So you're a game behind. A a win behind. Well, yeah, yes. but we'll see what all happens, I guess, eventually. Who knows? If you get relegated, I don't know what will happen. We will be probably the highest English championship money income-wise team that has ever existed, ever, which... Because, like, you got to think with the PIF, it's worth hundreds of billions of dollars as an organization now. Not if you're losing all the time. We wouldn't be at a certain point. We'll see what happens post-Christmas break when we actually get the opportunity to spend money on our roster. because right now they have something in place where the people who purchased your team can't pour money into you guys just yet, which I feel like is a little BS, but... That's not quite right. So no team can spend money right now. It's the blackout period until the holiday break. And when the holiday break happens, then yes, there are holiday signing capabilities at that point in time. Didn't something get put in place after they purchased your team, though? They're limiting how much money we can spend during that break period, which is about $300 million, which really isn't that much of a lockup, I guess, in that instance. Like, that's still a lot of players. Yep. But I think that pretty much wraps up the sports episode. I know, boy, it's been a long one thanks to Mm -hmm. all the crap going on. So we might just name this one All the Crap Going On. But And you'll know what it's about because of all the crap going on. Yes. But we'll see you later in the week for a book episode. Hopefully no authors have done BS. We're just hoping. And we'll talk to you then on Thursday, guys. Bye. Bye.